Dr. Rick uh, dropping in on you. Hope everybody is off to a great start this week, this month, this year. I hope that you really have the things that are important to you in focus and that you are moving towards them. Uh, this video is probably one of the most challenging videos, uh, live streams that I am going to do this year. Um, for a number of different reasons. Uh, before I get started, if you look in the description box, there's a place where you can support the work we do at the Odyssey Project. Uh, if you followed us, you'd know the work we do uh, on multiple levels. So I want to uh, challenge you to support our work, challenge you to get behind the things we do that enhance, improve, and advance the Black uh agenda uh, in the black community. With that being said, I'm going to move into this. Uh, again, this is one going to be one of the most challenging live uh, streams that I've done ever. Definitely the most challenging live stream that I've done or will do this year. Um, it's Valentine's Day, and this is the first uh, Valentine uh, in a long time that I'm not with uh, Marion. So, um, and this isn't a negative thing. I'm here to talk about love. I'm here to talk about the importance of understanding how love works and moves and how not to be distracted by the pushes of and suggestions of the commercialized idea of Valentine's Day versus this. And I'm going to use some things um, that are associated with my experience with Marion. Um, so, um, while she is going to be a center point of the discussion, she is not a target. She is a person that has and still holds that place uh, with me. And you're going to understand why, uh, hopefully, by the end of this uh, live stream, um, you know, things happen. Uh, and that's, that's life. Uh, I think that the idea or expectation of certain things, especially along the lines of romance and our ideas about relationships, tend to set us on the path for failure and an inability to process what has just happened. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a clip from Marion concerning our marriage. This is about three or four years in, so this isn't the beginning. This isn't the ooh days. This is we've been through some things. We're growing, we're developing, we're learning, but something she shared. Uh, and it's something that I've already shared before. She went live with it, so I'm not taking something from her and putting it out here. Uh, this is something she shared live. I shared it after she shared it on this channel. So it's already on the channel, but I'm going to give it content. So um, here goes, check it out. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about uh, this thing as good as I possibly can. All right. Hi, good morning, everyone. I wanted to do a quick video. I'm in Galveston right now, about to do some volunteer work, but there was something on my mind that um, 
I wanted to put out there in the universe so everybody can know because I know that my husband he's always on his YouTube channels and he's even on Facebook celebrating me but I wanted to take this time this morning to celebrate him I wanted to say that I appreciate the man that you are I appreciate that you came into my life when it was so chaotic and yet you didn't run you stepped up to the plate you were uh, a father to my children you were a great man to me and you're a great person overall so I want to celebrate you celebrate you this morning just to let you know and everybody else know how grateful I am to have you I, I would like to think that I'm the blessed one in this marriage in this situation because this man walked in into my life he accepted all of my kids as his own he loved me unconditionally he knew my story and he didn't judge me do you know how many men out there that of course they wanted me but they didn't want what what all came with me but this man was different he came into my life and he wanted my totality all of me and I just want to celebrate you this morning. I want to say that, you know, I know that none of us are perfect. You've made your mistakes. I've made mine. Uh, but you've come back from those mistakes. And you, you're, you're still fighting. You're still in the fight. And I appreciate that. Um, and I just wanted to celebrate you to say, baby, I love you. You're a great man. We're headed somewhere. We're about to open up our community center. We're going to be doing the work that a lot of people talk about. We're really we're really about you know if you're gonna talk about it let's be about it so that's who, who Rick is uh, another thing that I love about my husband was that he's such a great communicator actually he communicates too well sometimes but he's a fantastic communicator I can remember when I was dating you know men were so bad at communicating they didn't know how to tell you how they felt or or what they wanted from you I mean and from the gate he came in and say look I'm not looking to date I want to marry you I want to be your husband he took the lead in the relationship and ladies if you ever question anybody's true concern a man is gonna let you know right off the top what he wants from you he's not gonna say oh well let's see where things go as soon as he say let's see where things go then that's when you need to go um, because he's playing with you and he's wasting your time so baby this this live today is just celebrating you I appreciate you I love you for all that you've done for me my children um, I know that I was already in my work and you were already in yours but you've helped me along in my work you've given me the stability and the confidence in knowing that you got me that I was I'm able to do my gifts better I'm able to be a better woman so I appreciate you I love you God bless you and keep you I believe in you we're gonna do phenomenal things together and I'm gonna go before I get in trouble because I need to go inside the church so I will see you when I get home bye bye okay uh, now, to give context to that, first and foremost, I'm not sharing that trying to big up myself. I'm sharing that because it was actually that video that got me through the most difficult times of last year when I was going through the separation and the divorce. Um, because you start to question, you know, uh, did I have a positive impact? Was I doing what I thought I was doing? 
and you start to look at things. But the thing is, it's kind of funny. Uh, and I, I laugh with my buddies about this when we talk now. It's like, man, having an iPhone and going through a breakup with someone you care about is torture because they throw these memories up out of nowhere. They just come out and it's a reel of pictures that they've made a video of and it just pops up out of nowhere. And you, when you're least needing to see it, there it is. And, and you know, I'll have my grandson and I'll sit up and we'll, we'll, he's looking at my phone and that comes one of these memories. And, and then he's trying to convince me, let's go over Nana's house and all these different things. And you go through these things. But um, first and foremost, I share that because it's something she mentioned. She mentioned how I always pick up the people will say, man, you almost lead with your wife. And I did. I celebrated her because she needed to be celebrated her. And to understand the dynamic of this thing, you have to understand what drew me to her. And nothing I'm going to share about my wife is outing her or putting her her uh, business in the street because she did that in her book, Ghetto's Forgotten Daughters. And there's a link for that book in the description box. And you need to know the story to understand our dynamic and how I move and how I deal with her still today um, is still challenging for me to use the term X. Uh, it's, 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 it's really difficult for me to use that term X because I was sitting up actually talking to a, a, a colleague who happens to be a female and it was a bunch of us and she was only female in the group at the time. And she was saying, you still view her as your wife, don't you? And I said, in a sense, I still see myself as her covering until some, this was my response. I still see myself as her covering until someone else comes along and covers her. I got her. Now that's not the mindset of men today. That's, you know, to the, to the average man, I'm a simp, but to me and looking at the way my grandfather was, the man who reared me and taught me to be a man who was reared in 1909 and had to deal with Jim Crow segregation and so much more. The way he taught me to handle my business as a man, I feel I'm doing what I should be doing. I think one of the problems we have in the black community is it's so, so easy to exit responsibilities based on emotion and then get in our feelings and then start to handle people based on how we feel. If you go back and you'll get the video, she talks about how much I celebrated her and talked about her. And if anybody's followed me, you know how I feel about her. You know what I've said about her. None of that changed because she said she needed to move. She needed to, to do something. That didn't change for me. It, you know, did it hurt? Did I have to deal with that on an emotional level? Absolutely. But if you remember the one theme about me and my, my, my wife was, I always said, I don't deal with her based on my emotions. I never dealt with her based on my feelings. I treated her based on what I felt my responsibility was. It was to be kind to her. It was to speak power into her life. It was to edify her. It was to lift her. It was to cover her. It was to speak kindly and gently to her. It was to nurture her in her healing process because I had a very unique perspective of her. She said I knew her story in that vision. And that's it. I did. Before she was my wife, she was my uh, client. I worked with her uh, for a significant amount of time. And then she went her way. She finished her book. She published her book and I was doing my thing and we came back across each other's path. And all I remember was her heart. But let me tell you what drew 
me to her. It was the combination of her wounds, her will, and her recovery. I looked at somebody that had every reason in the world to be destroyed and bitter and just, you know, she she was healing. She was taking the steps. And I'm sure whatever she's doing right now, she is in the process of growth. She's not going to be okay with, with, with whatever she's, she's, she's pursuing growth. And I spent the vast majority of last year just trying to breathe. But the one thing, if you were to poll her, if you were to ask her, not one time did I went to her or go to her and say, you hurt me. It, 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 that's, I didn't think that's what she needed. I looked at what I could handle and I took it and I handled it and I stepped back. And let me be clear here. This isn't about Rick, the great lover. This is about two people who loved each other. Because let me explain something to you. While she shared that and I'm talking about how I love her, let me explain something to you. I've, told, I've talked to very few people and I consistently talk to very few people about this because what you'll find is most people just want the tea. They want to hear how bad you're hurting. They want to hear what, well, what did you do or what did she do? And I'm not throwing her under the bus and I'm not sitting up diminishing myself to sit up and say, I'm in a bag. I was a bad, I wasn't a bad guy. You know, was I perfect? Nope. But let me tell you something. I was in the hospital multiple times sick but there was a time i was in the hospital and my sister came up and she's one of the few people that i've talked to in depth about this because she came with no judgment and matter of fact my sister said this to me when i told her she says rick i don't know what's going on with her right now but this is one thing i can tell you she loves you she said when i came to that hospital and in that room and i looked into the eyes the woman whose eyes i looked into loved you now what's going on i don't know but you know, then she starts saying, are you willing to work it out? And we that, that's all we've ever, we've never talked negative about my wife. Matter of fact, any conversations that gone towards that, I ended. I created a circle around me where I could be me, where I could sit up and have love for a woman who I'm no longer with and not hear all the bull crap that people love to spew. Uh, at the right time, in the right place, whatever's going to happen will happen. But the reason I'm bringing this out is because Valentine's Day supports an idea on the surface that cannot be sustained in longevity over time. And it is a problem. You know, now, now here's this thing. This book right here, oh, this is the other part that just hurt. At the time that I saw the relationship slipping away. I was writing this book, Merging Souls. It's my second book on marriage. First book was When Your House Is Not a Home. And I'm writing this book, right? And it's Healing Hope and Restoration in Modern Marriage. And, and I'm going and I'm looking and I'm saying, man, what kind of expert are you in relationships? And you're, and the people, what you don't understand, life happens and all the time life is happening. It's not in your control. You can do all the right things. Now, the crazy thing is I stopped promoting the book because I didn't feel like I was worthy to promote it. I was really feeling some kind of way, right? And that the link for that book is in there in the description box too. And so I stopped promoting it because I think, but what I can tell you is reading this book that I wrote uh, during this process has helped me heal. It has helped me hold steady. It has helped me be okay with loving 
even in the midst of pain, being able to be what you need to be instead of doing what you feel. But the one thing I've always said is I love her based off. Of, I don't treat her how I'm feeling at any given time because feelings change. And we live in a world where feelings definitely change. They change during the day. Imagine how much they change over years. Imagine how if you're sustaining your relationship based off you feel, it's not going to last. And is this and the other thing is when I came into this, I'm gonna say this, then I'm gonna move into uh the discussion of really why I'm here. When I came into my relationship with her, I understood her story. I probably understand her story better than anyone. And the one thing I knew is that she needed someone to protect her, to get between all of the stuff that was coming. Everybody had a take mentality around her. Not gonna get into details, but she she shares it. It's 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 nothing new, but Everybody had a take mentality. Everybody was taking, nobody was pouring into her. So I said, okay, I'm going to pour into it. But that's what drew me to her. If she still had a heart, she was still loving. She was still giving. The problem is nobody was giving back. Everybody had their hand out. Everybody was trying to get her to do something. And that was a problem in her family. There was one man in her family that I met that I still have a very high level of respect for. And we're still very close to this day. And that's her cousin who I almost seen as the father figure in her life when I came in. He was the man that I looked to, to, to establish my worthiness to have her hand. To me, he gave her away because her father, as she writes about in this book, was a great deal of the problem. Um, and he still is, but I'm not going to get into that. But Again, I'm not revealing anything that she hasn't revealed in her book. She hasn't put out openly. I wouldn't do that to her. But what you need to do to understand this dynamic that we have, you have to understand her because I did. And when I came into it, I've never even had this conversation with her. But I'm gonna say, when I came into it, I tried to have it with her in the beginning, but there was a tenderness about her and the way she was taking it, I didn't like it. So I just backed off of it. But I knew with, with everything she's been through and and then I'm not like I'm walking in crispy, clean, no bags, no flags. I got my own shit that I'm coming in with. And so I'm looking at it. And I'm going. There is a great possibility that we may not get all the way because there's so much there that we've got to get through. But what I'm not going to do is leave her by herself. What I'm not going to do is let her just be here fighting and doing everything she can for everybody else. And I'm not gonna do that. There was something in her heart I wanted to protect. And I knew there was something in her heart I wanted to protect. And I needed to, to do that. And I was hoping that it was gonna be an eternal thing because I was committed to that. And that's how I am. I'm committed to it because it's not about the feelings to me. It's about the building. I thought we had paths that we were on together. There were so many things, but when I came in, I knew what was going on. I was bringing my pain and I was recovering from going through a bunch of stuff myself. And I had childhood issues just like she did. I didn't know my dad at all. Her dad was a terror. So we had these issues. But what I wasn't going to do was leave her there because I was afraid of being hurt or afraid that... I knew she needed somebody. I wanted to be that person. And here's the thing that really uh, sort of sets the stage for what I'm going to talk about. Uh, I immediately went to my therapist. I have a therapist. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm a counselor. Uh, 
I do this on a global level, uh, but we still need people to talk to. We, we still need people to help us deal with things. And so I went to my uh, therapist and the one thing I told him, I was like, you know, we're talking and about after the third session, something my therapist said, uh, he said, it's obvious that you love her. We've had many conversations because I didn't just start going to her. I had been going and said, we've had many conversations. It's no doubt that you love her. And I don't doubt that she loves you. He says, but what I'm hearing in these conversations, these last three sessions is you are heavily focused on the marriage. And I had to sit back and I had to think. And what I realized is my identity was embedded in being a husband and being a father to our children. She mentioned that I took her children on. I never called them stepchildren. To me, they're mine. I filled a space that needed to be filled. Uh, I don't regret it. I'm not bitter about it. I, for a period of seven years, made an impact. I hope that that impact was positive, mostly. <clears throat> My throat, for some reason, is burning. Uh, but, but, but the thing is, I identified more than anything with being a husband. My greatest pride was being in a husband. And I remember saying to him, she took the greatest part of me. Being a husband meant everything to me. And but she had to have what she had to have. And I had to love her enough to say, okay, get what you need. But at the same time, be out of my feelings enough to say, I'm not going to let you fall because it's a bunch of people that's like, you know, you know, this is going to happen to you. That's going to happen to you. You're going to wish you can, you know, the last thing I want is anything bad to happen to her. Uh, so, you know, like I said, when my, my, my colleague asked me how I still saw her, I said, well, until she's covered by someone, I got her. Uh, and that's that. Now, the reason I'm bringing all that up is because marriage is under a great assault in the U.S. The Western culture, especially the U.S., has the worst divorce rate in the entire world. And everybody believes, you know, hey, it's about me. We are the most individual-minded society uh, on the planet. The idea of being invested in something bigger than you doesn't exist. It's about what am I getting? What do I get out of this? How do I feel? What's going to happen when I, I, I? And so now you've got to, one of the biggest problems I have when counseling couples is the I factor. The thing is when you merge and you become one, there's no I in it. It's about the bigger thing. It's about what you can do in a marriage that you can't do individually. And you lose sight of that because everything around you is I, 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 I. I'm not happy. I'm not. And the thing is, when you focus on what's wrong, it becomes bigger. What we've lost is, what we, first of all, what we've lost in, 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 in the chase of romance and emotion how you make me feel, the ooh-ah feeling of what we call love is really infatuation. It's the, the way you make me feel. And the thing is, over time, I don't care how awesome it is, you're going to settle into the reality of life and you're going to have to find ways to recreate that flame. But the flame isn't what's supposed to anchor you in the first place.
It's the commitment. It's the covenant. It's the thing that says, I know things are going to get rough. You don't spend 15, 25, 35, 50 years with someone and every day is grace and every day is good and every day is awesome and we'll just, no, you are going to have to build something that even in the darkest moments gives you an insight into the value of what you have. Valentine's Day is the point where everybody's trying to do and put their best romance game on. Romance is not my strong suit. Now, one thing that she will share with you is I have uh, this thing where she's get, she's going to get flowers and there's, they're always going to be when there's no reason to give them. I'm, you know, I don't do the, oh, she's pissed off at me. Let me get her flowers thing. It's like I'm sitting up and I'm thinking about her and she gets cards all the time. Just I'm going to express in writing how I am uh, where I am right now in my heart towards you. I'm going to do those things, you know, and we did some other things. And, and, and you know, in hindsight, there are so many things I probably could have did that were a lot more romantic, but we took, you know, trips. We did some things um, even toward the end. But what, 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 what we get lost in is the covenant and the commitment. The covenant and the commitment. We get lost in the idea that I'm supposed to, women are looking for the knight in shining armor to swing in and sweep her off her feet and take her away from all of her woes and her problems and plant her up on the high pedestal of praise. And men are looking for this all in encompassed submissive being uh, that jumps at their every whim and cooks their favorite dish and cleans their house to a tea and does all this stuff and, 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 and ooh them and tells them how sexy he is and tells him how uh, powerful and potent he is in the bedroom, just stroking his ego. And what we miss is, and what we never ask ourselves is what are we bringing to the table? What are we going to build? See, when you talk about building something, now you have a common purpose, a common plan, a common path. We're building something. What do we want the lives of our grandchildren to look like? What do we want the lives of their children to look like? We can influence that by what we do in this relationship. We can stabilize our family through our marriage. We don't see that. We look at the feelings. I'm not feeling, I don't, I don't like this. And so what we have is a situation in which we have a, a, a divorce prevalence rate of over 50%. And we have a depleting number of men who even want to be married. Uh, and a lot of that is because 80 plus percent of divorces are initiated by women. Women leave marriages. Men, it's funny, women will stay when a man cheats uh, most of the time. There are some women who first time is last time, but most women will give you another chance. Men, that's probably the only thing we'll leave for. I mean, and and it just I mean, we'll take a we because we plant. If a man and, and obviously there are exceptions to the rule, but if a man plants with you, he's planning on being there. And the problem is sometimes he becomes complacent in his planted state. You know, he's not looking to improve nothing, he's not looking to improve. And one of the things that I will say right out the bat that I failed miserably at in my marriage was taking care of me in the physical sense. I went from being a person with the six pack and everything late in my forties 
to being extremely overweight, almost 260 pounds. I've lost 50 of that. Um, things are looking real good, getting back in shape and all that. And but and that contributed to my health issues. And for a woman who has never had anyone who has stayed to look at me and say, I'm about to die on her, that had to bother her. And I saw the fear in her eyes when I was having the heart attacks. So that was on me. But that that's what men will do. We'll get in a place and get comfortable. And we'll start thinking, well, I just got to do this and I just got to do this. And as long as I'm doing it, especially in a in an environment where we've been commodified. All we all everybody wants to know is, can he pay the bills? Well, if you you get a man that's paying the bills, he didn't want to hear nothing else. And the bottom line is we're so much more than an ATM. We are the source of identity for the family. We are the place of protection before we are the tape, the, the, the source of provision. We are the insurance that nothing wrong will happen to anyone in this home. Anything that comes into this place has to come through me. And then we are the priests in our home. We are, while the woman is probably going to outpray the average man, no matter what religion she's in, the man's divine connection to God and covering his family is potent and powerful. And it, and, it, and it comes through him. The prayer life that the man has with God is going to be different than the prayer life that the woman has for God. She's covering everybody. She's calling names. She's speaking over everything. And you're seeking the power and the vision from God to be everything you need to be in that family. And you are walking it and you're trying to live it in an imperfect state, but you're giving it everything you've got. But a man has to rise up in that. But in a world where he's declined to and been relegated to simply being a commodity, I just need to know what you can pay. Then he loses himself and redefines himself based off of his bank account. And now we got a bunch of men who make pretty decent salaries, classifying themselves as high value men, but they don't know how to hold the heart of a woman. They don't know how to cover a woman. They don't know how to talk to a woman. They don't know how to listen. Guys, let me say that again. Listen to a woman. One of the things she jokes about still is my ability to communicate. I'm not the average dude. I can communicate. And I don't just mean talk. I mean, I listen. And I'm going to communicate back with great clarity where I'm at and what I'm expecting and what I'm willing to do. I don't want to leave anything. And, you know, and so it leads uh, to a lot of times when we would be discussing things to we can't do this on a you know, text message. Either call me or I'll talk to you when you get home because I'm not going to do one sentence responses. I'm going to say it. Then I'm going to make sure you understood what I said. You're going to make, I'm going to make sure that you got in, in great clarity what I'm trying to get across. That's important. But we lose so much of that. And then we lose the desire to even try. And that comes at a price. So what am I saying? What I'm saying here is Valentine's Day. I'm not ranting and raving about the commercialization of it, but it does stick its hands in our pockets. And there's literally every month or every other month, there is a commercialized holiday to stick the hands in the pockets of the people who can least afford to give it. And it doesn't come back to us. That's that. Done with it. 
I'm more concerned about the notion of romance. Now, romance didn't even enter into the idea or the sanctity and institution of marriage until the 13th century. So we're talking about the 13th century AD. So literally 1200 plus years after uh, AD, 1200 years AD. So we're talking thousands of years before BC and 1200 years AD before we even start introducing romance and feelings into the sanctity of the institution of marriage. Marriage was about a commitment into a pathway of projecting values, interests, and principles from two families with like backgrounds. We are going to put our children together. They're going to develop. The woman was taught what it meant to be a wife. The man was taught what it meant to be a, a, a husband. And they fulfill those. And as they fulfill those, the feelings came in time. And then it became, how do you woo me? How do you awe me? And then it becomes this game of what can I do next to woo her? What can I do next to awe him? And now, and now the sanctity and the purity and the purpose of it is lost. We, marriage is an unbelievable wealth, unbelievable wealth building hack. And there's a reason why the people who control the media and control the narrative consistently push this individualism, which often leads to the decimation of families and households because they're protecting the wealth. There's so much that comes from it. Love isn't a feeling at all. Now, love can put you in places that you experience great feelings, but love isn't a feeling. I remember when I wrote my first book, When Your House Is Not a Home, and I think I even put it in Merging Souls, um, which is, like I said, it's it's crazy. Uh, but that book was uh, the source of a great deal of pain, but also the source of my healing. Uh, but when I'm doing the research for When Your House Is Not a Home, uh, there's an author by the name of Gary Thomas uh, who writes these unbelievable books on godliness and relationships and a whole bunch of other things. And there's this book called Sacred Marriage that Gary wrote. And I was researching that along with Emerson Egret's book, uh, Love and Respect, Unbelievable. Uh, another book called His Needs, Her Needs, uh, A Guide to an Affair-Proof Marriage. I, I mean, I did it. Then I interviewed over 200 married couples. Those who had successful marriages up to 50 plus years, those who had short-lived marriages, those who are in turbulence. And in, in, in this thing, and that is something that I uh, saw was sacred marriage. And on the cover of sacred marriage was uh, this statement that said, What if God's purpose for marriage wasn't so much your happiness as it was your holiness? And it set the entire context of how I researched, read, and took away from that book. It set the paradigm from which I lived and moved into my life. Moved into my life. And I sit up and I looked at this 
sacred marriage thing. And I sit up and I say, wait a minute, what if it's about what you do and what you give and what you build? And that is what I decided that I was going to be. Now, it didn't turn out the way I thought it should, but it did give me the fulfillment of being what I felt I needed to be. In other words, I think we look for the feeling and we don't look for the commitment. We don't look for the responsibility. We don't look to honor the covenant. We don't look to be everything that we need to be. We don't look to uh, operate within the confines of responsibility in our marriage. And I think it is a destructive force in our state of being. I think it's a destructive force in where we are as a people. And I think it is absolutely imperative that we operate in an understanding of what we're doing to ourselves, chasing feelings. Um, as I move forward in my life, my goal is to be the best version of myself so that I can be the best man for the person that's in my life. Um, it is not to take along bitterness and hatred and anger and uh, bruised scars from the past. Uh, like I said, this thing got me through last year. Uh, and there was a point in time where I was sitting there and I was literally refusing to uh, promote it because I'm like, man, look, I obviously didn't get it down. So, but this book, man, uh, if you're serious about healing, if you want to... Uh, heal your marriage, you want to build a stronger marriage, if you want to enter into marriage in the right way, then that's what you need to be doing is looking for places that could do that. It, the link to the book is in the description box. What I'm going to do is wish everybody a happy Valentine's Day um, and keep your head up, be strong, know that you are loved, by God, if nothing else, and know that anything is possible. On that note, look, I'm going to get out of here. I am going to get the rest of my day going and see where it goes. Uh, but I wish you all the best. Again, also, don't forget, support the work we do at the Odyssey Project. The links are in the description box. Uh, on that note, I'm out of here. Thank you guys for stopping in.